BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Welcome to Right Now-ish. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. This is the third entry in our Big Love series. And on this one, we're talking about tough love. Kriya Gomez-Jones knows all about tough love. She works as the director of local initiatives at the Young Women's Freedom Center in San Francisco. This looks like campaigning to shut down San Francisco's juvenile hall and assisting young folks in establishing economic security. Beyond that, Kriya is a mother of six. And while it might look different than the tough love that she was raised on as a young person, she believes in raising her kids on her own brand of tough love. It's the love piece, right? Not the tough piece that you put the emphasis on. Today, Kriya is redefining tough love to be more encouraging, patient, honest, and accountable. Get ready to take notes after this. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Priya, I come to you because of a conversation we had about this last year. You know, this tightrope of tough love. Uh, my nephew and your second oldest son had a common friend who passed, and it was a fentanyl-related passing. That conversation about tough love came around that. It did. And how we don't necessarily know all that it entails to be a young person maturing right now. Yeah. There's this expectation for them to be independent, and yet the world is in a pandemic. There's this fentanyl going around and they don't have the kind of support they might need to achieve what everyone wants them to achieve. We all want the best for your nephew, my son, for this next generation. And I think things are very different than like when we were younger. There's a level of like pressure on young people to fix the world, to change the world, to grow up, to be on your own. And it's hard because they have their own expectations. They see Instagram, they see, you know, TikTok, they see all these other places where young people their age are influencers. They are at parties, they're in Malibu, they're having the time of their lives. 
right? And they're like, why am I stuck in this shit at 19? Why don't I have my own apartment? Why can't I find a job? Why is it so fucking hard? Why are my friends dying from fentanyl? As you know, I have four young adults, ages 26, 24, about to be 22 in two days and 20. And um, I'm not ready to push my kids out simply because I want them to be independent so that they can just end up homeless. Right. And I'm not willing to push my kids into a job that makes them unhappy simply so they get the experience of working hard. And I know that sounds crazy, right? Because it's like, Kriya, we're having a conversation about tough love. I need you to tell me, like, what do you do to get them the hell out the house, right? (laughs) But it's not that time. I think that that's the thing. It's like, it's not that time. You mentioned homelessness. And the 2019 homeless count, Oakland had around 4,000 unhoused folks. Almost a 50% jump from two years prior. A majority of those folks counted were longtime Oakland residents. When you push your kids out too quickly into the world without giving them the tools that they need, they end up in really shitty places. And um, I'm not willing to do that. And other countries don't do that. We should also say that, is that this is one of the only countries that expects young people at 18 to leave the house and go to, you know, wherever it is that they go to their own apartment, to a university, um, and cut ties with family. It's part of the American dream to be independent. When every other country and many of our cultures are absolutely interdependent upon each other and young people play a pivotal role. We've been indoctrinated into that, especially poor people. So it's tough, it's a lot to balance. What's your definition of tough love? I think tough love is being honest with the people that you are supporting while also encouraging them to keep going after what it is that they want and doing what they need to do for themselves while also being patient. It's it's a tightrope where you're holding two, like that balance beam that you hold when you walk the tightrope, but there's so much stacked on each end of that spectrum of the beam that you're holding. I mean, I think the most important thing you know, about that tightrope is to not let go on either end. Mm. And I think parents want to let go because it's hard. And I've raised my kid. <laughs> and why I got to keep raising you if you're 24? <laughs> but if you if you go to somebody who is homeless or, you know, is dealing with severe trauma or has a severe substance abuse and you ask them about their support system, I guarantee that one thing that you will see across the board is that people gave up on them. And so what are things that we can teach them and ways that we can teach them the discipline, the tenacity, the rigor of preparing for these things without putting them in these really dangerous situations? And I think that's the balance, unfortunately. I'm gonna encourage them to be as independent as they can, as young as they can be. So there's daily conversations and weekly conversations around, you know, um, like I'm helping my son right now um, learn how to establish himself with his healthcare provider. So did you call to get the prescription? What did you tell them? Okay, I hear you went online. Okay, I heard you didn't find a button that says prescriptions. Go back, call them. To a lot of people that might be like, 
you should have just let him. I would have told him there. He should have just took his ass down there. I'm, that's not my problem. But it is our problem. It's our problem until they gain the skills to do that. And who teaches you? It's kind of like cleaning. Like, how did you learn how to clean your house, Pendarvis? Watching and working with my mother. Your mother going behind you and going, look. Yeah. Pen. Missed this. You missed this, yeah. right? It's the love piece, right? Not the tough piece that you put the emphasis on. <laughs> you slide the tough in there. You always slide in the tough in there. <laughs> but yeah. nobody lives in a home and just doesn't do nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I often get this picture, right? We We get fed this picture of the kid in the basement on the couch playing video games with a thing of potato chips next to him. Every young person I know that is currently at home doesn't look anything like that. And we have to demystify that. That image, when we think about it, the color of that person, that 30 year old sitting gaming is often a white kid. Intergenerational wealth should never accumulate to you being on a couch. But we don't come from those homes. And so that should not be the fear from which we offer up tough love to our kids. I can see that. I mean, because you don't fear kids are gonna become lazy if they stay at home. You're more concerned with their safety if they don't have a home. It ultimately comes down to like, we have to think differently about the young people that we love and that we care about. And our expectations can't be their expectations. And that tough love has to be in service of their desires, not ours. With honesty and patience, of course. My son is a um, budding producer and he makes beats and he's been lucrative in that. And so it's kind of wild too. I'm like, where is this money coming from? And he's like, I sold a beat. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know that life. But, and that was the point that we got to in the conversation before about not knowing that life, like what he's living right now. Yep. And it don't mean that this whole time you're not edging them along, right? It's like you're, you're scooting them along. You're asking them to get out there. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with asking them, did you fill out an application today? Okay, well, let's role play it. What are you going to say to them when you call them back? Practice. Practice makes permanency, not perfection. And I think that's another thing we got to teach our young folks. Like, you got to build that muscle. That shit don't happen overnight. But that experience is sometimes hard to come by, especially in a world where we're dealing with online classes and online applications. Yeah, and I mean, that's where, like, how, how often are we also teaching young people to rely on the community around them? Every young person... I know should know at least one organization that they can go to if they need help, whether it's help finding a job, help with mental health. How often is the first thing we tell a young person that tells us, I don't have a job and I don't know where to get a job. Look for an organization that can help you find a job and call them. In addition to being a parent to her children, Kriya is also a mentor to young adults impacted by the justice system. But before we get into that, a little background on how Kriya grew up. I lived in a working class home. There was abuse. I had to leave my house when I was 15. And I was homeless for a year and a half. And then went to juvenile hall, you know, had to find my own clothes. Knew that if nothing else, there was one thing that I had that could be consistent and that was school. And so forged papers to enroll myself in school 
when I got kicked out, I forged papers again to get myself re-enrolled in school. Um, my organization, uh, the Young Women's Freedom Center, which saved my life at 16 years old. They're the ones that ultimately, you know, got me out of juvenile, helped me figure my shit out. Um, and then I ultimately, you know, graduated from school and applied to colleges um, and, and then had my daughter. And, you know, being a young mom and then having to go back to your family and being like, I need help. There was tough love there too. Because I had a mom who said, I raised my kids. You gotta raise yours. Kriya says that in hindsight, they understand that their mom's brand of tough love was informed by their mom's own trauma. So for Kriya to break that generational trauma, Kriya had to work on reshaping that concept of tough love. Well, I'll say that along the way, I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of to like survive. And I think I spent 10 years literally cleaning my karma. <laughs> like people just walking up to me and being like, you don't know me? Like you stole from, you know, like it just those things really impact you. Um, I never wanted my kids to go through any of that. And so I'm giving back to a community that I took from. All right, let's actually stop there and talk more about how you're giving back today. At the Young Woman's Freedom Center, the place that you said saved you, you're now talking to this next generation of folks to help them break cycles and escape punitive systems. Bring us in to the work that you do. I work with young people that are part of the juvenile justice system, or they've got what we call one foot in, one foot out, right? They're in the underground street economy. Maybe it never got caught up yet, but they're struggling to make ends meet. The beautiful thing about our program is everyone there has an experience of being in the system. Everyone there is, has an experience of being part of the underground street economy at some point. So we have a self-determination program that helps young women, gender non-binary youth to map out their goals and then incentivizes them for reaching those goals. So I'll give you an example, right? I will tell you that 98% of the young people that come through our program are houseless. And we say, where do you want to be in a year or two? And they'll say, I want to do Instacart or DoorDash or something that allows for me to just be on the move, right? So that I could work when I want to, and then I could do whatever else that I want to when I want to. And then you say, oh, that's cool. What have you done to get your driver's license? And they'll be like, oh, I, I don't even know how to get it. So our program will incentivize you. We'll say, look, we got $250 for each young person that comes to our door that gets into our self-determination program. If you map out these goals and you meet the first one, which is just studying for the test and taking it, we'll give you $25 once you take that test. And so while they need instant money, because that's the whole reason why they're getting into things like Instacart, they get that instant money simply by going and taking the test. And we'll even have somebody on staff take their car, take them to go take that test. And so pushing them to go after their goals means helping them find the desire to get up and just do what's necessary to take the first step. Given the work that you've done to close juvenile hall and help young people, and the fact that you've been able to redefine the tough love that you learned as a child, I'm wondering how has the relationship with your parents evolved? There's a point in your life when you realize that your parents are human beings. And I think once I got to that place, 
I was willing to foster a relationship with my parents, even if they had not changed. And so, you know, I, I had patience for them. I learned to bite my tongue when they said stupid shit. I learned to also be brave enough to have conversations about the trauma and the way that their decisions impacted me and know that they weren't going to give me an answer and they weren't going to say sorry. And that's, that still happens. I honestly think it wasn't until two years ago when I got an award for um, Latino Heritage Month from the city of San Francisco and invited them to the ceremony at City Hall. And I think it was the first time that they realized other people don't see me the way that they do. And our relationship really changed after that. There was something just about them being like, oh wow, like, like people hella respect her. Like the community sees her in a different way. I went from being, you know, the fuck up oldest daughter who was homeless and in trouble and had a baby at 19 and had six kids to their oldest daughter, who they're so proud of, who carries on the legacy of my grandfather, who's doing this amazing work in the community. They couldn't see it through their own lens. They had to see it through somebody else's. Big thank you to Kriya. This conversation was a long time coming, man. I'm glad we can make it happen. Good luck on all that you do for the youths, both in and outside of your home. Kriya Gomez-Jones was just awarded the Leading Edge Fellowship, which will allow her to work on, and I'll quote, bold ideas for the next generation of progressive movement leaders in California, end quote. This means that she'll have $250,000 over the next three years to do this work. Big time congrats. To keep up with all that Kriya's working on, check out her Instagram or her Twitter at Kriya underscore Jones. That's Kriya spelled K-R-E-A. The producer of this show is Marisol Medina Cadena. Jessica Plachik is the editor. Our engineer is Seal Muller. Our engagement team is made up of Ashley Ng, Justin Ebrahimi, and Rhea Garawal. Kiana Mogulam is the interim head of podcast. KQED execs are David Marcus and Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Thank you all for listening. Peace. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.